Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of being grumpy, but for a good reason. It gave me the wrong type of ammo again. Get off my pentagram! Now you're going to need exactly the right type of salt on that, otherwise you're going to end up with all sorts of badness. So, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about Bureau 13, and uh, our co-host, Jonathan Thomas, uh, is in the process of putting together a YouTube video, which basically is a um, a grumpy old uh, Bureau 13 agent who's managed to survive with most of his sanity intact, and who now wants to pass on some information to all them young, uh, feckless uh, <laughs> kids that that think that they know how to run a supernatural adventure. And he's going to be putting that on YouTube. So we thought we'd go over some of his talking points and maybe add, give him a little bit more to work with. Um, we've talked uh, for a while now, but uh, we've talked about some of the stuff that we want people to learn. But let's... We probably need to start talking about what they have learned. Like, what is the the kind of stuff that a newly minted agent probably knows when they come out of that year and a day training? Okay, we know for a fact, as I said, from the the um, that template that is in the back of Bureau Thirteen OGL, uh, armor proficiency light, how to wear the light undercover vest properly. Personal firearms proficiency, so you know you can pick up a handgun and use it. And knowledge, arcana, religion, and civics. Now, the Bureau Agent class, where, you know, you're taking classes and whatever. For D20 Modern, it would be the six classes based on your abilities. Pathfinder, it could be, okay, I'm a modern-day bard. I was a rock star. Somebody dressed up as a vampire, attacked me backstage. I found out it was a real one. I'm now in the Bureau. So, modern day Bard. And they would gain computer skills, the various um, knowledge skills I just mentioned, tactics, behavioral sciences, history, um, investigative, some medical because you're going to need to know how to patch yourself up and others in the field until you can get back to the Colorado RV and use one of the beds as a medical theater. And general linguistic skills, decipher script, forgery, and read, write, speak language, and Pathfinder is now all linguistics. That is a skill you would use to do the document forger. I would think those are the skills and various feats. Oh, and hand-to-hand combat. Unless you are a self-avowed total pacifist, you're going to learn at least how to box. You're going to have some, or maybe judo, 
I mean, I would, yeah. Even the pacifists are going to probably get taught some self-defense moves, if nothing else. Tai Chi. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you basically jump to cover. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Um, uh, uh, as many of you know, I've been saying for years from 03 to 08, I took a composite form of Kung Fu called Niwaja. One of my two Sifus, Julie, is this little grandmother. She was shorter than me. And I, uh, I'm five seven five eight. This woman's 5'4". Peaceful warrior is what she called herself. This woman with one hand tied me up on the floor like a pretzel. And I was like 5'8", 170 at the time. So, yeah, you can learn just enough martial arts to get out of a situation and then go and get your gun and, you know. But, yeah, you are going to be taught some form of hand-to-hand melee training. Just something to enough to get you out of a situation unless you want to learn to put someone down. Then the Bureau will have some of the finest hand-to-hand combatants on the planet that they may have saved over the years and they're now training future agents now besides those set skills they're going to enhance ones you already have oh there's some more skills that you you need you need to do okay okay Uh, like always set up a false identity for yourself this is something you should do ahead of time uh it's not that hard to get into databases and set up yourself in databases um I like using the DMV to find people that look like my character and then take their identities because then all that stuff's already there and you use their name, you use their social security number, you know, stuff like you know, uh, And they check up on them and, yeah, they're a real person. They live in a real place. Now, you know, that that can backfire on that person. You might have to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the point still is that if you, you can create an identity that's completely false and put it out there before, and then when they come in, they say things like, well, okay, who are you? You say, oh, I'm so-and-so. You can hand over your driver's license. They can do that, that background check on you. They can find all this information that you want them to know, and uh, and then you are exposing your true identity. The people, I've seen too many uh, players who basically say, yeah, my name is so-and-so, and and, uh, I'm a, uh, you know, uh, a physical therapist from Milwaukee. And I'm like, like, okay, well, what do you really do? No, I'm a physical therapist from Milwaukee. You told them your real name and your real identity and background? You have family, don't you? You Aren't you worried about protecting them? Especially when you go up against people like Matthias Bolt and others? Yeah. No, no. No, no, we had the one player in my, in my, it was the beginning of the Team Candlestick 2.0. He later, due to business stuff, he had to drop out. But he was a CIA agent who got subjected to, you know, he was made permanently invisible. So he had to wear, you know, like a skin suit in order to interact and be well seen and be able to, you know. And he was Lee Bishop. And he would come up in the times that we had to do any type of on-the-ground investigative going up with people, he would change his name, and the last name would be, you know, how, like, Harold Finch had birds and person of interest. His had various holy men. Yeah, I'm Agent Priest. I'm Agent Cardinal. I'm Agent... And and one time, Shaman? Shaman, Ancient Shaman, how you doing? He would do... (laughs) 
And I'm just, I'm sitting where I am now, and I'm looking at the end of my gaming table, just looking at Doubt, really? <laughs> he goes, what? It, it's good. And he was in the military, so, you know, he, he, but I'm just a really dude. <laughs> yeah, well, like Supernatural, the, the brothers always use, like, you know, rockers. Yeah. Rock and roll performers. Men in Black, at Tommy Lee Jones. I'm Agent Black. This is my partner, Agent White. Will Smith just looks at really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, definitely. If you're coming out of that that training, you're gonna know how to set up false identities, and you've got the bureau helping you. Yeah, because they've got you know back doors into every you know government database that you could need to get access to, at least in the United States. Yeah, so. yeah. They have throwaway identities they can give you. Yeah, just swap out the photo and you're done. That's the document forger, and for that, that would be, well, uh, forgery in D20 modern linguistics in Pathfinder. But yeah, knowing that, as I said, knowing that skill would be important because you need to forge documents. And, ag and again, that's something that, like, if you're in the RV doing that, I would say that you'd have to be under some severe conditions for you to fail that. Well, it, it, just, it just depends on how fast you have to get it done. And, you know, how, how hard it is to come up with, because it says they have like 80% of all the documents that are out there, which means there's still a 20% chance that, you know, the ID for, you know, the, the, the home office of some corporation, they're not going to have an, an ID there for, and you're going to have to work that out. Right. Yeah. The, um, the, the class, the bureau agent class, the, what, let's see, first level you get it, supernatural sensitive and create background. Bureau agents are trained in creating false backgrounds to use as a cover. The quality of these backgrounds depend on their class level and how much time they take to craft the necessary documents, cover story, and background elements. The DC of an agent-created background is DC 15 plus your class level. If you have, well, okay, forgery or craft writing, but it'd be linguistics or craft writing as a skill, you can increase the background's DC by, by a plus two synergy bonus for each skill you possess. So if you have both forgery slash linguistics and craft writing, you gain a plus four bonus to your role. Uh, if an agent takes a day or more to create the background story, yeah, they, it, this was written wrong. The DC isn't increased by one. It would be by my, it would be decreased by one. It would make it easier if you take longer. This DC yeah. is used by the GM to determine if the background story can be broken by an NPC during an adventure. This is either a forgery or research skill, whichever is greater. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say also, if you want to do that, yeah, you're you're probably three of the biggest skills that you're going to want to buff and be taught in as a bureau agent. And be, we get we go by OGL skills because it's the last incarnation of Bureau 13 is OGL. Bluff, diplomacy, sense motive. And. And, and even then, I, I think just the way, for, I, I, I mean, I'm, I might have missed it as you were reading it out, but just from the way that's worded, that implies to me that's your skill if you're not using bureau equipment. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't say anything about equipment bonuses. It just says if you have skills and if you take time. Yeah. Oh, so, no, no. I'm sure. That, well, let me uh, we will go to the document forger. And okay, equipment here. I, I, I should probably explain that. I'm also I'm not thinking it from an, an OGL standpoint. I'm thinking it from more just a general like it, I'm, uh, of a, like a more generic RPG standpoint. So 
one of the important things to keep in mind, we talked about how important it is to keep the RV in good condition and stuff like that. So one of the things you don't want to do, unless you're, you know, you're literally captured the bad guy and you're trying to restrain it in the bathroom of the RV, is you don't want to be casting spells and stuff like that inside the RV. Why is that, Jonathan? Again, that's your home. And the last thing you want is to have a, a, a mess up and let some, uh, to, to kind of paraphrase uh, Men in Black, you don't want to be hosting an interdimensional kegger in there. <laughs> but, I mean, it's going to leave residue, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, magic doesn't, you know, in Bureau 13, doesn't just like, poof, it's gone. It's like it never was there. It's not like ghost poop. Okay, it's like, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's the other kind. It basically gets on everything. It leaves residue. It's, it's, uh, you have to call in the, uh, um, the, the elimination. Mike Bonkowski. Yeah, well, but there's also a whole specialized group, you know, from the D20, which is disposals and eliminations. And those guys have to come in and basically clean your RV. And yeah, that's, that's Mike Bonkowski, the OSHA agent who, re when, when, you know, it's like, wait a minute, there's demon blood and vampire blood. Oh, those are health violations. You need someone with experience to know that. And send Mike Bonkowski joined the Bureau. The cleanup crews are ultimately led by him, a former OSHA agent. And yes, Mike Bonkowski is a real guy. He was a friend of John Ryers. And so that's how he got in. But yeah, you don't want to what <clears throat> you don't want <clears throat> to where you eat, in other words, is what we're trying to say, and especially with Matt. A lot of teams have supernatural members of the team. And some of these things that can get all over the place can act as banes against them. Yeah. Or at the very least, it makes it hard to sleep at night. I mean, just uncomfortable. It's, it's just like, you know, it's like someone, if someone went and sprayed tear gas over the inside of your car, okay, you would think, you would think that maybe you might need to air that out a bit, right? Yeah. Magic is like that. So, you know, and if you've got people that are, uh, uh, are, are have that supernatural sensitivity, sensitivity and, uh, yeah, you're not going to be able to sleep in the RV. Uh, you're not going to be able to rest, probably, because your, your, your alert system is going to be kicking off all the time. You, you know. <laughs> the hairs on the back of your neck are going to be spikes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to sleep like that. So yeah, don't don't do that. Uh, and if you do do it, get it cleaned as soon as possible. All right, you know. And uh, uh, but yeah, there's. I mean, if you need to, okay, <coughs> if this is a real issue for you. You know, the Colorado RV can pull a trailer. Okay. Ah uh, yes. And you can set up your uh, magic circles and uh, and magic component um, storage and things like that. In in the pole long trailer, so don't think like you have no other options. Yeah. Okay. Uh, personally, uh, I, I I always suggest to people to keep most of their uh, magical type things in a thirteenth pocket because that weight's not even in this reality. Ah uh, yes, let's talk about that, shall we? Oh the yeah, thirteenth pocket. A one of your bureau agents' best buddies. Yeah. Um, and these are in field agent bags and field packs. Basically, this is along the lines of a backpack of holding or a handy haversack. 
Now, is it technological or is it magical or is it techno magic? Do they have all three types? I take it. <laughs> I would call it techno magic, primarily magic. Uh, let, let's see here. We'll do the thirteenth pocket. The small extradential space is actually a temper control pouch, temperature control pouch, hidden beneath the reinforced padded bottom of the bag. It has no outside access and doesn't show in any signs of bulging or is undetectable by mundane scanning equipment such as airport x-ray scans, even by a hand search or trained dogs. Only authorized Bureau 13 personnel have access to the pocket, and each field bag is DNA-coded to their respective team. That means only the agent or team members assigned the bag can open it. It can only be reached through the inside of the bag. The pocket can contain up to five cubic feet of material or 50 pounds, and even when filled to max, weighs no more than three pounds. Regardless of the number of items contained within, whatever item the agent reaches for will always be on top, provided exists in the bag previously. If an enemy manages to access the 13 pocket without authorization, the entire bag will automatically disintegrate along with all its contents, causing 46 damage, including to the the, the illegal person's hand and possibly arm. Yeah, this this is almost like a bag of devouring, except the devouring is when you're not supposed to reach in and the teeth come out. You know, just... <laughs> just yeah, basically, this is a modern-day version of the old handy haversack from D&D. Yeah, this sounds magical. With, with, with some added features, yeah. And I, I personally, in my campaign, I, I don't limit it like that. I, they, have, um, they can have 13 pockets in anything, um, and, they, and they are magical. And the, you know, sometimes they go overboard, and they say, I've got like five of them. <laughs> And you say, you're going to get, you know, you do realize you're going to be attracting everything supernatural within a five-mile radius, right? That much magic, you know, operating right here. Yeah, I'd say that they probably give off some magical aura, but it's very minute. But, yeah, if you're if you're stacking yourself up with them, that's going to add up. Right, but, I mean, we've used them, you know, in Fringeworthy as well because, like, they're on a, they're on a magic using world. So they basically have a car that has an infinite gas tank now because it's not infinite. It just has like 500 gallons in or 1,000 or 5,000 gallons gas tank because it's all in the 13th pocket. So, you know, or a flamethrower that never runs out or a rocket launcher that, you know, that the JATO unit just keeps going and going and going. So and they, can they can load up the, the vehicle with armaments because they don't have to worry about loading fuel into it. You know, things like that. Yeah, um, I am here in the Pathfinder uh, core rule book. Got, you know, got it here in front of me. The handy haversack, yeah, for you folks. Oh, yeah, it can be detected by magic. I'm going to use my detect magic. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a moderate conjuration aura, caster level ninth. Secret chest is the spell that you use to make one of these. So, yeah, if you want to have your supernatural baddies try to detect you have a 13 pocket, that's what they would detect. Just putting that out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard stories of Bruce saying that, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I have the steam powered device on this world. And because of the size of the infinite pocket, that's where the water is kept and it just pumps in and makes the steam. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, it makes it makes a lot more sense when you're walking around with a backpack and you're using a chain gun because, you know, there's no way that you'd be able to use that more than about 30 seconds before it'd be out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
But that's that's uh, that's one of the things that I know I use in my campaign, and they and they would probably be using. But and also, you have to be able to cut loose from that thing, so that because like you know the supernatural is going to say, hey, you're not just Joe Blow police officer. You've got a supernatural aura because you've got this magic item on you, and people forget that the supernatural can detect magic sometimes better than they can. Yeah, rats smell their own. Yeah. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that that's going on the list too. Right, okay. <laughs> something that I don't think we've talked about and I don't I don't think it's going to it's something you can really stab, but they're probably going to be taught some history of the bureau. Maybe not all well, of it. Well, but... yeah. Oh, uh, well, they're going to definitely be told about the massacre of 77. Okay, why am I a soccer mom with three kids? Why am I here in this pocket dimension? Funny thing, in 77, yeah, we had this internal battle that went on, yeah. So you're going to, they're going to know at least that. They're going to know, you know, unless you want to research Bureau 13 history, you're going to be given the nickel tours created by President Lincoln. The Confederates were starting to bring supernatural into the Civil War. He, yeah, Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter. Yeah, you can thank our disinformation department for that one. Yeah, just and go from there. Yeah, in 77, we had this battle, and that's why we went even deeper underground. And that's why you, you know, Miss Susie Homemaker are now here in Bangor, Maine, taking hand-to-hand training. Yeah. And that's actually one question I, I would have is, like, would they teach who is the true uh, instigators of the massacre of 77? Oh, I think that might or, be on a need-to-know basis. I mean, yeah. you could just say that, the Bureau almost imploded from within. Now, if you want to research and go farther, or if they ask, then they'd be taken aside and said, yeah, we had an, an inter, a civil war. Yeah. There are agents out there who have access to everything we have that just don't do the whole supernatural thing. And they may yeah. want to take you out. Pretend that you are basically fighting yourself. Yeah. The whole Shadow Works thing that we've mentioned Bruce and I have mentioned ad nauseum previously on other episodes. Um, also, about training, I want to get back to on, uh, you know, what do you think bureau agents would be trained in? And, of course, we put down, okay, these are the set skills that you would have. If you excel in something, if you are a mechanic, if you are a chemist, if you are a computer technician, if you are, if you were in the military, they are going to give you training in your particular field of specialty and crank it to 11 because often they're going to have to train you on higher tech stuff to do your job. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I was, a, I was you know, you know, Delta Force, you know, Special Ops, Green Beret. They're going to teach you how to use laser rifles. They're going to teach you how to drive, you know, use the high tech stuff because often the weapons are going to be more advanced. They're going to probably teach you alien fighting styles, stuff off the fringe paths. Um, if you're an SCA person, they're going to teach you how to handle live steel instead of, you know, the rattan um, duct tape covered swords that they have. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't discount SCA. I have friends in SCA Heck, one of my my Friday night gamers, uh, she's known on my live stream for my show is Lab Rat. 
she goes to golf in Pensac Wars every year. Well, I mean, not the past year, but yeah. So she's into that. And that's full of it. That, that, those are SEA events, I believe. So, yeah, if you are a specialist in something, you will get fantastic amounts of training in your specialty to make you above and beyond because the Bureau will often have the tools that make that job that much easier. You're going to be Jasmine and Aladdin's going to be on the flying carpet here. Let me show you the world. Yeah. <laughs> or no, 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 no. UHF, Michael Richards. You get to drink from the when <laughs> you get blown off the hobby horse. Yeah, because it will be. You know, like the Drow rolled 20. What have they taught you? Everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they will not only teach you in the base bureau skills that you can cover and you know what to do out in the field. They will teach you. In your specialty of expertise, of course, now they do have only a year. So they can't take you to like, like mastery, but they can they can ah, take you to competence. Ah, and that is where we have this and we have discussed this. Uh, about two, three years ago when Amber Rowe, now Amber Culp was on the show. Amber and I created a character and now this is not official. This is something here on the podcast. A character known as Serendipity. She is, well, she was the illegitimate daughter of a particular Egyptian pharaoh. I'd have to look through my notes if I still have them. I think Amber may have taken that folder with her. I believe it was the pharaoh and a succubus. So yeah, Serendipity is 3,000 years old. She's got that Mediterranean complexion, small horns out of her head, and she is, in a teacher, she is a teacher of advanced history and religion at Bangor, Maine. If you want to, you can take buffer classes to go and learn more in your off time. Serendipity is one of those that, and the running joke was, you're in an advanced history class. And she's teaching about how Leonardo da Vinci, you know, all the fantastic designs he did. Some of them were hundreds of years. I mean, there are things that we haven't even thought of yet. Technically, this man had designs for Mecca in the 1500s. And she'll, you know, the running joke Amber and I had was, oh, by the way, da Vinci was gay. What do you mean? How, why do you think that Vitruvian man is so well-defined? Serious, you're gay. Yeah, he died in the arms of his friend, a priest in the south of France. And Amber does this little pose like, hey, hey, you wanna, hey? And he just goes, no, and da Vinci dies. <laughs> so Serendipity knows history because she's lived since ancient Egypt. She has been around. <laughs> And the running, and she has her friend Feng Shen, an imperial dragon who has been lover, mentor, guardian, and he teaches advanced hand-to-hand combat because he knows kung fu from when it was made. So these are things we've put in previous episodes. So you can go back and learn stuff later on your own time after just, you get out of the year training. Just don't be expecting a Zoom class because the the time difference is really weird. Yeah, yeah. You oh, don't no, have you, to go on site. Oh no, you go back to Bangor, Maine. You you can petition. It's like, yeah, I want to take um, advanced history, advanced religion, advanced hand to hand combat training, and, and it's like you're going to school for a year. You you basically are working toward effectively an associate's degree, mm. and so you can sit there and plot a curriculum, 
And yeah, I have yet to run a Bureau 13 where, oh yeah, you're, you're basically going for advanced training and you're going through various scenarios and sort of dormitory campus life. And yeah, and playing serendipity and function would be good. I would love to do that sometime if and when I get another Bureau 13 campaign going. Um, but yeah, there are advanced courses you can take in your own time. You just basically, you know, leave the Dropbox message, call the emergency numbers. Yeah, from this date to the, you know, on this day, I want to take a year's worth of classes, full class load. These subjects. Okay. And it's like applying for college courses. And you go in and there are people there who, yeah, some of them know a lot because they've been there. Some of them are known because they invented what it is that you were learning about. So, yeah, it, it's like my old high school ecology teacher, Marsh Weed. Yes, that, yes, I'm not lying. If you stop learning, you stop living. And that no one is that more important to than a bureau agent. But, you know, don't make it hard because, you know, Banger Main has that time quarter. So, oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want, yeah. you want to learn something, you go in, you get your curriculum together, you go into the time quarter, you know, with your back, backpack of supplies and things like that. You sit down, you study, you do the tests, the self taught tests, or whatever, like that, the online, um, you know, uh, uh, guided training and stuff like that. Come back out. Say, go to your instructor. Say, okay, I studied this. Fine, let's have a test. They test you out. Says, okay, ready for the next thing. Here you go. And you go back in. Oh, so it'd be kind of like, just like, oh, yeah, one of my old jobs. I was a proctor at a testing center at a community college near uh, U of M. Yeah. You know, if you don't understand something, you can come back out early and go in and say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you work through And they'll sit down and they'll work through it and, set, and then you go back in. So you can, you can compress what would be like a four-year education down to a couple of weeks. Your time is still going to be four years. It might even be ten years. I don't know how long it takes you to learn. If you're not a very smart person, it might take you quite a long time to learn all of that. We'll put this in here for our neurodivergent audience members if you have a learning disability as i raise my hand and that's one thing the bureau is going to work with you if to to figure out the ways of helping you learn because it's in their best interest to train their agents i would also something else bruce um i would think that things like mnemonic devices and advanced ways of learning would come into play here that, that so people could learn quicker due to mnemonic devices and different types of schooling and whatnot would also come into play for these courses. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're going to use whatever they have available to them you know, because it's in their best interest to have the best equipped agents out in the field. Okay. So just looking at when you come out of training, you're going to be knowing how to, how to fight at least to some to, to competence. You're going to, you know, hand to hand with a, with a personal weapon if you already show some skill with, you know, military equipment, you'll probably be trained a little bit more in that. You'll be trained how to, to put on armor, uh, both the vest and the combat armor. So combat, you're probably competent at the very least. Uh, you're also going to be competent of the supernatural that's out there, at least the, the most common stuff. You know, this is how you deal with ghosts. This is how you deal with most vampires. This is how you deal with most werewolves. Uh, you're probably going to have a little bit of, of history. Is there anything else we're missing from that? 
Uh, and all the you're also going to be training all the equipment. Any bureau equipment you're going to know how to use. Ghosts and spirits, okay, and psi, all right, which sometimes can impersonate each other. Uh, what you should know is that with with except in rare situations, most supernatural uh, ghost encounters are actually psychic uh, echoes. All right, it's some for some reason some memory or something like that got caught in a house or a structure and it just keeps it you know it may happen once you got triggered and it goes off or it, it repeats okay but it's it's going to be it's going to be limited to that structure and it may very well run itself out though that's not a very interesting adventure okay um if uh there are dev the bureau has devices which can be used to basically uh, denature a building. The most common device, by the way, is a priest who goes through and basically uh, disenchants each room of the house. Even if it's if it's if it's psychic, it still works. It doesn't have to be like demonic or something. He basically just goes through and eliminates all the the uh, uh, the, the the psychic or magical energy that's in the house. Uh, and then, and then whatever it is doesn't have it to work with anymore, unless somebody's someone is also there that will create uh, more psychic energy to be stored. The house has already been primed to be like a battery, so that could still be a problem in the future. If you really want to be sure, burn the house down. Kill it with fire. There we go. No, what I yeah, what I'm yeah. seeing here with um bringing a priest in, oh, we have a ghost, and yeah, we called a local priest who just happens to be the priest on your team. Yeah, they're going to have the typical things. They're going to put on the little mantle thing, you know, the, the, the silvery kind of glossy material that goes around the collar and hangs down. I think they call it a mantle. He's going to have a Bible. He's going to have an aspergillium with holy water in it. He's going to have the, the incense swinging thing. It's called a censer, but yes, go ahead. Censer, thank you. I, yeah. or you're going to have, let's say, if you are of a more pagan bent, you're going to have someone with burning sage. And sage, yeah, whenever we would have, in, in Kung Fu, we had our, um, the master would come up from Houston. And we had a, a now late friend, Lisa Gutowski, would sage the martial arts studio before we started the clinic. Things like that. But I would think also the Bureau would make things where unless the holy person in question could cast them, they would have devices that would short doubt or magic items or psionic items, basically dispel psionics and greater dispel magic. The way I kind of always looked at it was like the, the priests, no matter, no matter the religion, because I can't think of any religion or faith that doesn't have some sort of cleansing ritual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a priest just takes all the supernatural levels to, to, to neutral. No matter what's there, and again, no matter what the source, a priest comes in, they do their ritual, everything's back to baseline normal. Yeah. But, yeah, I could easily see the, the Bureau having, you know, specific devices or, or uh, enchanted items that can focus in on one specific type of energy. Yeah, that would be the thing, like... A lot of psi, I, and this is a convention I use greatly, a lot of psionic power items are crystals. And you know in, in mm -hmm. New Age movements, 
there's a lot of crystals and geodes and, you know, oh, this is quartz, this is hematite, this is this. You're going to make those image, you're going to make those items out of those substances where, unless you're another psionic, oh, it's just a, it's a rock. Never mind that's the dispel psionics thing that you're doing, you know. So, yeah, um, cleansing apparatus or cleansing effects, spells, powers, what have you. Yeah, those are always good to have. And, of course, yeah, it's always good to have either a psychic or some person of the cloth on your team to know of these matters. Well, I blame... I blame Bruce for this with that one adventure, the supernatural quanta generator. <laughs> if the Bureau can make supernatural energy, I'm pretty sure they know how to cancel it out too. Well, it's like John Crichton said, always plan your exit before you plan your entrance. Yeah. Um, and I love Bruce cackling in the background. That was great. No, that's more like you can thank slash blame Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> I remember playing in one of, in that adventure during one of the dragon con sessions. <laughs> But also, let me continue. Okay, so if it's not a psychic thing, okay, uh, first of all, if it's being generated by, you know, uh, a person going through puberty, and, and that's, you know, classic poltergeist, removing them from the house is not going to make any difference. It's because it's them, all right? Sometimes removing people from the house and then using a curling detector on them is a good thing to do because then you find out whether or not, you know, it's them or the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because usually the first thing is, oh, something bad's happening here. We need to send everybody to Disneyland. So everyone goes to Disneyland. You deal with the what's the battery, so to speak. And then they come back and just kick it back up into gear again because you didn't actually get rid of the problem. But if there is a ghost, again, ghosts are usually localized. They're usually lo uh, locked to a location, to an item, to whatever. And so uh, unless you have a full full-fledged roaming spirit, okay, uh, and, and a lot of those tend to be evil, uh, then they're not going to be able to chase you. I mean, they may chase you out of the house, but they're not going to leave the house. So, again, uh, you know, you can get rid of it. You, you bring the priest in. You don't, you bring the priest in. They cleanse the place out. They burn the house down. You know, whatever is necessary, the ghost goes on to the next thing, unless it is one of those free of uh, uh, roaming spirits that has unfinished business. If that's the case, then you're going to have to do the hard work. But agents who come out of the, you know, right out of the Bureau training generally don't have to deal with those. That's that's something for a more advanced team to handle. Beyond their pay grade, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you do yeah. run into that, don't be afraid of leaving an adventure, calling in a, more, a better equipped team, because... Not every, you know, it's like if you run into a dragon in D&D, &D, you don't fight the dragon. <laughs> you run back to the castle and say, hey, isn't there like some dragon slaying heroes around here? Because we just ran into a dragon. And they're all like, okay, we'll take care of it. Meanwhile, you go the other direction to get to the ogre's lair. Yeah, that's definitely, that alone, I think that's going on my list too. Yeah. Is you don't have to solve every problem you just need to find out the problem, and if you can't handle it, then tell the Bureau, let them find the right people to handle it. Oh, no, it. because there are cleanup teams. There are uh, exorcism teams. The X teams, teams. yes. Yeah. Oh, no, the X teams, folks. 
X teams are for when, and I'm going to try to, it, it's an SLJ term. It's when you have to kill every in the room. These are advanced milit- paramilitary teams, latest materials and, 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 and equipment, constantly training. They come in in a couple hours from a secret location. They're led by a, a, a general, General McAdams. The Bureau rescued his daughter, so he's like, okay, fine, I'll work for you. And these are people from all throughout the United States military ready to just drop in and nuke stuff with fire. If there is just something that is too big, you make the call to General McAdams and he sends a squad there, and they have a mage and or a psi on the team, and even they're combat trained. You're going to see that mage with a one in one hand and a desert eagle in the other. And they have a all... dragon on staff too, don't they? Right. Not I mean, they're I designed think. for omega level threats, uh, which, can, no. which which also includes rogue bureau 13 agents. And shadow well, yeah, shadow work agents are rogue bureau 13 agents. Well, but yeah, by definition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... except they have recruited some since then. But yeah. But no, no. I mean, most of the time, if you run into a Shadow Works agent, you're not going to call an X team. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you, if you're if you're smart, you'll capture them and and uh, and, and and mine them for information. Okay, um, they are willing to die for their cause. So you know, they they're they're a lot like the Brotherhood of Darkness. Now, you know, because if you run into a group of cultists, you know, or whatever, they're not Omega level threats usually. These are, we're talking about Hell's Ministers, we're talking about alien invasion, we're talking about, you know, uh, invasion from other dimensions and time travel, we're talking about um, uh, just, you know, uh, usually really big things that, that are, they call them Omega Level because, uh, for, uh, for the obvious reason, but also it's usually at this point, the Bureau has to go public. Yeah, well, I, I kind of gradiated that where you have your normal agents, people who either have just gotten their bureau badges and they're on about, or some with some experience. Then you have your ex-teams, the General McAdams men. They deal with, okay, the dragon. The Omega-level threats, how I have it, is these are teams that basically are damn near superheroes. They have augmented themselves. Well, they're above X teams, is how I've always gradiated. Oh, uh, okay. I consider yeah. X teams to be that level, but all right. Oh no, an X team could be an Omega level team. It's just that's when they're bringing out the BFGs. Right, right. They're yeah. bringing out the super soldiers. They're bringing out, you know, just okay. These are things that we have gotten from our friends from elsewhere, and now you get. <laughs> this is R and D. You're part of the field test. I mean, target. Yeah. Um, so yeah, X teams. If you can't handle, then there is no shame in not being able to handle. We would, you know, in the bureau, they would rather have it. You came back alive, and you called in better equipped people to do it than to have your name on the wall of fallen agents. Because it's bureau, already a pretty big wall. They, they don't know if they got more room. They don't need, they don't want more room. Yeah, the whole thing with, with the Bureau, they're not going to laugh at you as, oh, I see that dragon, you know, kicked your butt and you came, no. 
bureau agents aren't like that. They just no. You're, this you're is going, a professional organization. Yeah, they're not going to sit there and badmouth each other. The bantering, they realize, okay, there's no-go zones. Yeah, the fact that you had to call in a... Now, if it's something that other team, you know, that you just get, you're that underwhelmed. And, and the first recorded mission of Team Candlestick was roast chicken zombies overtook a couple Detroit suburbs. Basically, you get bludgeoned with drone sticks to death. That's how you would have died. And let's say you would fail with that. Yeah, you're going to get a few agents go, no, let me get this straight. It was a horde of roast chicken zombies and you ran. You know, uh, but nine times out of ten, if you're a bureau team and you meet up with a dragon or a demon lord and you have to call in the next team, you're not going to get laughed at. They would rather you come back alive. So, So don't be afraid to call for help. That's another thing. Yeah, that's definitely something they'll probably definitely have to be drilled into a lot of new agents. It's like, because you're new. Well, because they, be they, they think, oh, wait a minute. We've got magic and psi and advanced technology and alien intervention where all these things are and, you know, dimensional travel. Oh, yeah, we can do this. We just need to, and like, no. no. You weren't recruited because you were James Bond. You were recruited because you were Johnny on the spot. Yeah, you were in the wrong... Well, what was it that was attributed in the novelization of Star Wars that Leia said? They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Naturally, they became heroes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it, don't be afraid to tap into resources when you're in over your head. The Bureau will help each other. They, 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 are, they, you, they become your family. Because let's face it, you become a bureau agent. It's very hard for you to enact, in, to interact with the mundanes, the normals, the muggles, whatever you want to call them, the straights. And don't be afraid to run away, because I can't tell you how many pe how many teams are like, no, we're not going to leave. We're going to stand and fight. And it's like, if you run away, you get better equipment and come back and kick its butt. Yeah, you know, you might lose some members right now because you're not, you didn't expect this. He who, what is it? He who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. Yeah. Yes, and that's very true when it comes to the bureau. I mean, you have all all this really great specialized gear doesn't do anybody any good if it's sitting in the RV and you're inside the basement facing down a, uh, uh, you know, a revenant. Yeah. You know, from another time. I mean, it's. They're perfectly willing to stand there and suck your soul, you know, uh, while you try to defend yourself. But if you can get out and, co and, and come back, you know, in only like a few minutes, you know, then it makes all the difference, you know. And even looking at it from a, a greater scheme, like if, if it's a, a creature that you're afraid might, you know, run away, that now that it knows it's being hunted, it's, it's going to flee if you don't take care of it right now. But you're not strong enough to take care of it right now. You can let it flee. The, you, if, assuming you've done your job, you've probably got some sort of Karelian signature on it. You might have left some humming bugs on it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you've left some kind of tracking. Let it go. You're already handled the. It's causing a problem part. Now you can go and, you know, later make sure it doesn't cause more problems. But 
if you die... <laughs> and you've collected information on it, so now all the other Bureau teams know what to look out for. So when it gets back to its old devices, its old methods, they're going to be like, Hey, guess what showed up on the radar? And now we know what we're dealing with. Now, boys and girls, you can go get your payback. That is a visceral thrill for players. Knowing they're going to get you know, the lumps they took from somebody... Payback is a perpetual thrill for tabletop role players. If you have somebody who doesn't get invested enough where, oh, no, no, that son of a rat mother, oh, no, we're nuking him when we find him. If you have a player like that, you're kind of not doing your job as your GM because the GM they try to do villains that you love to hate them and the players will want to get payback if that nemesis whatever it is gets the better of them yeah and sometimes really powerful villains are, are people you need in order to uh, fight an even bigger bad guy you know uh, our, our my most recent adventure where they were trying to stop an invasion from uh, an elven uh, homeland. Uh, they ha they went to M Matthias Bolt and negotiated with him to get some gear that they thought would really make a difference. <laughs> and, and Matthias was perfectly happy to do that deal because he was getting something out of it. He was getting something out of it, right? You know, of course. and they took it with them, and they, uh, you know, I won't say how that went, but I'm just saying the point is, is that. Uh, 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 and that brings us to our, our I think, our final uh, thing, which is, uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, what does the Bureau say about bargaining with uh, Efreet and, and Jinn and demons and such? Yeah, it, don't even think about making a deal with, I'm just going to say, any supernatural ent entity. Any kind of deal, any kind of contract. Unless you have got the best lawyer in all the multiverse on your side. And usually that would be someone of a demonic nature anyways. <laughs> yeah. Because the probably. lower planes, you know, we all, and, and we're not trying to, to <clears throat> eliminate bodily waste on the legal profession of lawyers. But we also know they have a stereotype many people don't like them. That is why the Bard said, kill all the lawyers. Shakespeare. But the convention I've seen is that, yeah, you want the best lawyer? go to hell and no we're not saying as a subject no you get like a contract demon which they have stats for things like that i think in bestiary five or bestiary six lower planes inhabitants who you know because you got you know you sign the contract in your own blood to seal your fate and when you're done you give your soul so the lower planes entities the one thing they know and this is me as an autistic appreciates the letter of the law. So you, if you want, if you're going to go up against some supernatural thing and they're going to try to bargain, you get one on your own. You may have to owe them a favor later, but they're okay. Yeah, I'd say don't. Just, just well, kill it. Well, well <laughs> okay. Um, comic book reference Justice League in the 90s after the Legends crossover where Justice League became international and you had Max Lord the guy that Pedro Pascal played in Wonder Woman 84 
And you had Oberon, the dwarf manager of Mr. Miracle, Scott Free. And those two were talking about making a deal, and Oberon muttered as Max Lord walked away, when shaking hands with the devil, keep the other hand tightly on your soul. Yeah, because that's yeah. the thing. Any, any deal with a supernatural entity, you're already going to be dealing at a disadvantage because this yes. entity has probably done this a million times over there. He's forgotten more. He's forgotten more about making deals than you'll ever know. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you're in that rare situation where you have the devil himself as your lawyer, you probably just want to avoid it in general. Of course, you know, you never know. Some things happen. Sometimes you really need to save your team or save your, a town and, you know, fine, do what, do what feels right. But just keep in mind that there is, for the most part, no out negotiating a supernatural entity. Yeah, don't, 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 don't try to be Black Widow while Loki's in the chamber in the helicarrier. You're, you're not Black Widow. No. <laughs> you're just, no, you're not going to out trick the god of trickery. That, that, when I saw that movie in 2012, I'm like, wait, what? She did what? How? What? You know? Yeah. So just. I liked yeah. it simply because it showed off that he was probably feeling a little arrogant and overconfident at that oh, moment. Oh, he got too cocky and a, and a, yeah. and a human but, spy took him out on that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's fine. But you're not going to have that happen in most of your, your situations. I mean, if you want to do the dice roll and, you know, well, I just rolled a nat 20 on my, you know. My diplomacy and yeah, you know, that's Thanks. when you do. That's, that's when you when had you, some divine intervention. Yeah, or or well, if you're going to try to out wheel and deal a demon, that's not that's opposed diplomacy roles, and you know that a demon's bluff and diplomacy are going to be off the charts. My advice on that is that if you insist on doing it, make sure you are. It's it's very simple what you want. Don't get complicated. Yeah. Don't throw in a lot of additional clauses. Don't because every time you do that, you're you're making it more possible for you to get screwed over. Okay. Just very simple. I need this done. I want you to do it before this time, and then this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to get. And uh, and and usually, if you keep it really really simple, uh, it'll work. Yeah. Because wasn't there a story? And I know I think it was in the '92 edition where. Somebody wanted to summon a demon and just to do one simple menial task, and they gave him a goat, and that was it. There was no souls on the line. There was no. Well, that was uh, summoning lower level demons, and that was Matthias Bolt actually. Yeah, you know, he wanted to, get, you know, need, needed wanted his toaster fixed. Yeah, and the demon wasn't even able to fix his toaster. And he says, "But you can get one for twenty bucks at Walmart." And took his goat and went home. He takes off. I gave it a try, boss. That's it. You know. So yeah. I mean, low-level demons, you don't have to, like, give them your souls. Usually a, a sacrifice of a small farm animal is more than enough. Or, you know, a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese. Those for the imps. That's a really low-level <laughs> Those for, the, like, <laughs> the newly minted demons. Yeah, they could be like, this isn't real meat. Or it's like, you, you said it was going to be goat. This is horse. Yeah. <laughs> This is what it says is USDA ground beef, and the demon looks at you and says, and they say that I, you know, and they, and they say that demons are all liars. <laughs> Didn't know they call great me the prince beef, of all lies. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we uh, we run out of time, uh, so uh, hopefully uh, 
this will help anybody who's starting the game and they're, they're wondering what they can actually do. Uh, and remember, if you can't do it, probably there's another member of your team who can because that's part of what a team is, is about separating out the, the roles so that you can say, I'm really good at this and therefore I should get all the really good bonuses for it. Uh, and the GM should understand that and, and be fine with that. Keep your skills good. Keep your gun close. Wear your armor. Uh, don't forget about Banes. Uh, always have a secondary backup ID. Use a, a, a more than one vehicle besides the RV. Uh, and whatever you do, money talks. It talks so loud. <laughs> and we'll have more for you next week. But you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.